You're listening to Leverage. To Leverage. To Leverage. An ASA Studios production. everyone, and welcome to Leverage, ASA's podcast on the politics of aging. I'm Leanne Clark-Shirley, VP of Programs and Thought Leadership at ASA, and with me today is Peter Caldas. Hi, Peter. Hi, Leanne. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Did you have a good New Year? Yeah, it was. Um, we moved, so that's always fun. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I assume you're not unboxed yet. That'll probably check with me next New Year's. <laughs> Might be done by then. Uh, so we took a break in December from Leverage, but we're back to kick off this new year. Um, and just a preview for everyone, um, this year on Leverage, you can expect to hear more about policies related to the programs, the publications, and our agendas that we're working on. Um, we're really excited. Um, today, we're actually going to um, talk a little bit about some special projects that are going on and then talk about a new policy tracker that we're doing. Yeah, Leanne, absolutely. And I thought we'd get started with two special guests that we have with us. Uh, a shameless plug for my alma mater, Tufts University. Uh, we have two sophomores from Tufts University who are joining us today uh, as they are doing some research on climate change and its impact on older adults. And I thought, Leanne, you should get to know them. Absolutely. Sarah and Justin, it's nice to meet you both. Hello, my name is Justin. I am, as as Peter uh, said, I am a sophomore at Tufts University. I am from Manhattan Beach, California, just south of LAX. And I am planning on being an American Studies major, though I have not declared yet. And I also am looking forward to doing an urban and environmental policy minor. And I think what really drew me to this project in particular was I've always been very interested in climate change and things kind of relating to environmental justice, especially. And the kind of experience that I've had in the past has always looked at, you know, the disparate effects of, you know, environmental toxins and climate change on communities of color, you know, usually things referring to race and class. And so kind of looking at things through a very different lens of kind of looking at age, I think was something that really drew me to this, this project in particular, because it is, you know, something that is so very much important when it comes to the conversation of environmental justice that is often overlooked and something that, you know, frankly, I've never seen before. So I really wanted to kind of dip my toes into this and kind of really, really see what's going on and, and you know, find some real solutions to, to this, this problem. Thank you, Justin. And we'll get into what you're working on in a minute. Sarah, tell us about yourself. Hi, um, my name is Sarah. I'm also a sophomore at Tufts. I'm intentionally studying poli-sci, maybe English as well, really decided as well. But um, yeah, I'm from South Florida, like West Palm Beach area. And what really drew me to the project was kind of similar to Justin. Justin, like it was a very interesting intersection between like what we can do in addressing like climate change and how that's affecting our world, but also like through this very specific lens, highlighting a community that I think is probably often overlooked when considering how climate affects like the population. So yeah, that's basically it. Fantastic. Uh, it's great to have your minds focusing on this issue. And I'm glad that you're both raising a really critical uh, a really, really critical problem in our society, which is age is so often excluded from conversations relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, age is often talk about older people as needing 
support or needing help. But um, as we age, we continue to bring so many resources to the table. And I think that's particularly important for climate advocacy. So I'm really excited to learn more about what you've been researching and what you've been finding. So let's get into that. Justin, why don't we start with you? I should I should mention that the reason we're talking about climate change is because it's one of ASA's four policy priority areas. Each of these, of course, have a you know, universe of issues that we should be tackling. But Justin, you're working on a couple. Why don't we hear from you first about the issues you're working on? Yeah, um, so the first issue I'm working on, as I kind of previewed earlier, was kind of looking at environmental justice issues and kind of how that kind of relates to older folks as you know as opposed to just talking about people of color and you know things like that and then secondly i'm also looking at climate and like how infrastructure and climate resiliency kind of those things and how they relate to the needs and the specificities i guess you might say of of older folks and what that might entail for them as opposed to just everyone else Let's let's start with environmental justice. Justin, I'm 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 curious, you know, what are some of the the highlights that you're finding as you've been digging into this? Opportunity yeah. areas, challenges, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so one of the things that I think was really interesting is the notion of kind of how accessibility plays into all of this. Because in in my research some of the things that I've kind of come up with or one of the big kind of pillars of I think my my proposed solution is to talk about kind of urban greening, um, urban greenery, um, and how that can kind of relate with like, the idea of like creating cooling centers and urban forestry and all those sorts of things to kind of expand access to green space. And I think, you know, traditionally very much, a lot of people, you know, when it comes to older people think like, oh, we just need to pave the roads and make them wide enough for wheelchairs and make sure that there's benches. And while those things are important, I think it's also important to kind of look at kind of expand the notion of what accessibility really means. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, some of the things that I'm proposing are kind of creating more um, policies that are kind of keep in mind uh, more like car light cities. So that way we can, um, you know, keep cars off the road to reduce pollution, both noise pollution and air pollution, and kind of along that same lines, work to expand um, access to public transit and also paratransit. So that way, you know, it's, mm -hmm people with disabilities and, and anyone and everyone is able to take those modes of transportation to get to those green spaces so they can enjoy nature. And I think it's also really important to keep in mind that, you know, just because you can, as I said earlier, just because you can walk to somewhere, just because you can get there kind of, you know, on your own doesn't mean it's necessarily accessible in terms of if it's, you know, older folks feel unsafe going outside, whether it's too hot or, you know, a myriad of different factors that can kind of hinder accessibility while they may be physically accessible for you to go there. Yeah, that's great. Have you learned anything that's been particularly surprising as you've been digging into this research? That's a very good question. <laughs> I think one of the most surprising things is, I guess, kind of how much my two topics really kind of relate to each other, I think was one of the biggest things that surprised me in my research. I very much kind of started out saying, okay, I'll like kind of research some environmental justice stuff and then I'll just move on to infrastructure afterwards. But then kind of when I started, I was like, oh wait, these things are kind of all very much tied together because if we're going to talk about urban greenery, right, then if we're going to talk about that, then we can talk about, you know, using porous surfaces in those parks and those urban green spaces. And then, you know, that can relate to flooding and that can then kind of transforms into kind of talks on infrastructure and how we can make kind of prevent 
flooding or at least mitigate it by creating porous surfaces throughout the city, not just in urban green spaces. Yeah. And so I think kind of that was really surprising to me to kind of see how much everything kind of snowballed together and to create kind of one like kind of picture of a solution that kind of addresses everything all at the same time, as opposed to here's how we do this and here's how we do that. Yeah, no, that's really insightful. Sarah, let's turn to you. Uh, what were some interesting findings uh, with your research? Yeah, so I kind of started off looking at like health and climate and how exactly climate change um, impacted like the aging populations. And one of the main things that I thought was really interesting was like all of the different ways that climate affects, like there's a bunch of different kind of topics that impact older adults. So you have things like um, heat waves where like the older population is more sensitive to it because of predispositions and health and how like that particularly affects that population and how much um, heat related deaths are increased when you have all those factors. Things like air quality um, and how that impacts like people's lungs if they have like a decreased lung function. Specifically, one of the things that was really interesting was kind of water related, related illnesses because Older adults tend to live near water and in coastal communities, especially like where I'm from. Like there's a lot of like older adults down here and how that population will be impacted once the sea levels rise. And what was also interesting was that within this topic, kind of the lack of attention it had gotten until like very recently, like health had not really been in conversation in like the larger discussions around climate change, also with implications for like older adults mental health and that also not really being in conversation or like a lot of things that was just really surprising me was just like how many topics were very much overlooked in the like larger conversation and then with one of my other topics like emergency preparedness kind of the multiple different problems within the system that exist already with like things like FEMA, like the Federal Emergency Management Association, and like their difficulties in addressing older adults and lack of communication between different agencies. Just a lot of things that like seem very intuitive that like governments should address and like larger institutions should address that aren't really being um, talked about besides in like the research that like different people have done on it. That was kind of one of the most surprising things just in general. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's such a disconnect between, you know, what FEMA is doing and the actions FEMA takes and doesn't take? And and why is it so hard to execute emergency preparations when we're talking about older populations? I think a lot of it comes down to the fact, and this was mentioned in a lot of like the research I've been doing, was that older adults are really a key resource in emergency preparedness. They have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience in going through like disasters before. And so when these disasters are inevitably going to increase because of climate change, they should be that resource for governments and policymakers. The stuff I was finding were people basically commenting on how they're not really being utilized as that resource. And a large reason why these things maybe aren't being taken into account is because older adults aren't really being brought into the conversation. There's not that level of expertise there within governments. So true. And sadly, it, that is not an issue specific to climate activism or climate preparedness or climate. Um, it, that is a widespread issue. I'm so glad that um, you know that's on your radar. That's definitely on ASA's radar. 
considering and viewing and including people as we age as part of the solution, not just people that need to be taken care of or supported. Absolutely. I agree with you, Leanne. You know, it's interesting, Sarah mentioned only until recently are people talking about the effects of climate change on one's health. Mm-hmm. And I and I know the Biden administration just announced a, a new office within HHS that is meant to address the intersectionality of one's health and climate change. And I'm so delighted that finally the <laughs> federal government's going to be pay, paying attention to these issues. Uh, it's really great. Equally great are these two interns from Tufts. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, your complete research. I know you're uh, wrapping up your winter break, and I, we're very appreciative to you and to Tufts University for lending you out, so to speak. Thank you very much, and and we hope you're you're enjoying your ASA experience. Thanks, All right. Thanks, Justin and Sarah. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So those tough students are amazing. They really are. It's, I mean, you know how I feel about bringing new people into our choir that we are so good at preaching to. (laughs) And the fact that we have 19 and 20 year olds who are interested Mm -hmm. in the issues that they care about and and how they overlap with aging is uh, fantastic. And I think bodes very well for our next generation. Agree. Agree. So let's talk about what's going on um, internally amongst ASA staff and some of our other intern work that has been going on. So we have a new policy tracker, Peter. We do. We do indeed. Look, uh, the ASA last year identified four policy priority areas. We talked about these earlier, uh, specifically their climate change, uh, ageism, uh, digital literacy, and health equity. And, you know, we also did our homework in the 116th Congress to really get a sense of what kind of laws are even being introduced or bills are even being introduced by Congress. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise some of you who are in the field of advocacy uh, with respect to older adults, but nearly 75 percent of the bills that were introduced in Congress related to aging were introduced by Democrats. Um, and the vast majority of those bills related to health care and, you know, important, important pieces of, of legislation were, were introduced. But it also went a long way to continuing this notion of what you and I often talk about, Leanne, which is the decline narrative. Mm-hmm. And there are a universe of socioeconomic issues that Congress should also be paying attention to as we age. So we we developed that uh, research and ultimately decided, you know, our members need to know uh, what Congress is doing with respect to our four priority areas. Right. Absolutely. And we've heard from members, you know, I'm thinking of uh, policy town halls of the past and panel of pundits. There's so much energy um, amongst our membership, so much interest, so many people on the ground. Um, advocating, fighting for increased funding, fighting for services. And there's so many more people that want to be doing that um, and could use a little bit of information. So this sounds like a perfect a perfect benefit for ASA to offer to the world. That's right. So what we did uh, for the benefit, for the exclusive benefit of ASA members, members is 
really tried to break down the four policy priority areas mm -hmm. and pay attention to the bills that were introduced in what's now the 117th Congress and really try to organize and track for the benefit of our members those bills that align with our priority areas. So for example, you'll see all the bills that have been introduced related to digital inclusion uh, as they as it pertains to older adults. And you know, um, while some might think our policy priority areas feel a little limiting, the reality is there are over a hundred pieces of legislation that touch on our issues and could potentially impact older adults. So the way wow. we did it is we organized a big spreadsheet <laughs> and <laughs> identified, spreadsheet. exactly, who doesn't love a good spreadsheet, and organized uh, the topics uh, when they were introduced, when the bills were introduced, who introduced them, so what member of Congress, senator, or representative introduced them, from what state, the status of the piece of of legislation or the proposal and embedded into this document is uh, our links, links to the actual legislation. So we took that information and put it in our uh, member community section on our uh, member communities page mm -hmm. and ASA members have access to it. It'll be updated on a weekly basis. That's amazing. Um, it's like a one-stop shop for all your policy needs to get up to speed on what's going on in aging. Absolutely. And it also is a great way to track which members really care about our issues, really care about aging. And, um, you know, sadly, it's not terribly bipartisan. Sure. Uh, and it should be, right? Because mm -hmm. aging is a nonpartisan it's issue. It's the ultimate nonpartisan issue, honestly. I agree. Um, it sounds like this policy tracker was a lot of work. Who do we have to thank for helping us put this together? Well, we owe a, a great deal of thanks to our public policy committee, which is made up of our ASA members. It's a board level committee. Uh, they provided a lot of expertise and guidance in pulling out exactly the kind of information that they knew our members would like. Mm -hmm. It also builds on several interns um, from, uh, again, one of my alma maters, the University of Pittsburgh School of Law. <laughs> There's uh, a theme here. <laughs> it's a theme, it's a theme, uh, but uh, it's a fantastic law school, if I may say so myself. And we have loads of really talented interns who have come through and helped us dig deep on, on the bills, read them thoroughly, uh, worked with our committees to really analyze and assess them, and um, ultimately is th th right now they're responsible for uh, maintaining uh, the updates. Moving forward, we're gonna have the updates uh, at a regular clip. Congress is now back in session. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be seeing the tracker updated frequently. You're welcome to download it um, and use it as you will. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, I hope everyone goes to check out our new policy tracker. I hope you're inspired by what you heard from um, our young friends from Tufts. Um, and if you're listening to this and you have students who might be interested in working with ASA, please let us know. Um, we have all kinds of projects going on too, including a conference coming up in April on Aging 2022, Peter. I heard about that. Yeah. Uh, 
thing. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I have to tell you, Leanne, um, there is a real palpable, palpable uh, 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 evidence, there's real evidence that our membership is dying to come together again. They, yes. they are really looking forward to networking, looking forward to the educational opportunities, looking forward to leaving Zoom once and for all and join us live in New Orleans uh, the week of April 11th. Uh, but I know, Leanne, that you've been working hard at thinking about how to one, make the program really impactful and two, how we are going to provide for the uh, health and well-being of all our attendees. Yeah, you know, I my first ASA was um, over 20 years ago. And as I've been watching this program come together, it's it occurs to me it's it's been the best. It's this year's program consists of many of the best parts of the previous decades of conferences that I've been to. Um, so not only are we going to have fabulous workshops featuring so many of our members as speakers and some new to ASA members as well, um, we're going to shake it up a little bit and have lightning round sessions where you get five minutes to tell us why and so what. Um, we, we're going to have some debates. We're going to have a brand new, um, we, ha we no longer have an exhibit hall. We now have a resource center um, with stages, with um, stations to travel to. And all of this is in the context, like you mentioned, Peter, of what can we do to have as safe of a gathering as possible? So we're exploring ways to connect and network with each other, but maybe not all together squished in a room inside. Um, but thinking about new ways to do this. So um, vaccine requirements, all of those things. It's going to be fun. It's going to be new. It's going to be different. Um, but man, it'll be great. And, you know, I, I want to thank you for your leadership in really developing this thoughtful program that is all linked to how we advance economic security. Uh, so congratulations. I've seen a preview of the program. It looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really grateful to all our ASA members who submitted proposals, uh, an overwhelming amount, might I add, uh, yeah. given that they submitted it during during the Delta variant. Sure. Uh, we're so grateful to their commitment and loyalty uh, to the ASA. Yep, and we'll be posting that agenda um, just in a few short weeks. So everybody check out um, asa.org slash on aging. Uh, download our policy tracker at our communities. We'll post all of these links in the show notes for this episode. And thank you for joining us as we kick off 2022's Leverage. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Leanne.